microphone. It'll be okay. Yeah. But it's over there. My my disabled little ass is not getting onto that table. I'm a professional wrestler, right? That is one of my actual jobs. Yes. And I swear people like I bet there are people that think I'm making up the fact that I'm like physically disabled. I don't think they disbelieve the mentally disabled bit. I think I make that very self evidence uh, self evidenced um with all of my behaviours. But yeah, I don't think people uh well I I worry about it, especially in Britain, where there's a lot of distrust. Let me get this colour off. There's a lot of distrust uh in America in Britain. Sorry, I live there now. For the disabled, Elsa. I see. Um, mostly because the Conservative government, not to get too political, but they don't want to give people money, so they don't want to pay disability allowance, so they're like, oh, that person in a wheelchair stood up for a moment to scratch their ass. I bet they're faking it. Uh, plus, British culture, there's, a, there's always a big paranoia in British culture about being tricked. No one wants to feel like they've been duped. So there's a huh. lot of paranoia, a lot of preoccupation with the idea that someone in a wheelchair, that's the most common one, is faking it. That explains a lot of Sasha Baron Cohen's body of work. Oh, it may do. Because he's, he's English, if I'm not mistaken. and uh, Indeed, indubitably. His, um, a lot of his oeuvre has centred around him tricking people. Oh, we were a big, big fan of that culturally in Britain. Tricks. Just deception. We have a long-running habit, a long-running tradition. Imagine if Jackass was less violent and more just silly. Which, Jackass had some silly things. It wasn't all just people, like, hitting each other in the bollocks until they vomited. They had silly things, like when they would like dress up like knights and joust on bicycles, or run around <laughs> dressed as pandas, stuff like that. There's a lot of British entertainment that's about that, like large-scale, nonsensical practical jokes. Yeah, I- I've seen Trigger Happy TV. Tri- that was the name of it! I was about to say, I can't. I remember the guy's name, Dom Jolly, but I couldn't remember the name of the show, because I've described it to Fee before, because of my favourite sketch on trigger happy tv which if listeners are unfamiliar with by the way hello i'm i'm stephanie sterling and i'm joined by um elsa farron here Hi. and we are talking about trigger happy tv at the moment which was a show in i think the early 2000s or late 90s turn of the millennium and it was a one of those shows where the public, the unsuspecting public, would deal with like these wacky characters and scenarios that Don Jolly would enact in public, and they wouldn't know. The most famous sketch was him with a gigantic mobile phone, uh, which was yeah. about the size of a boy, uh, which he'd have, uh, and he'd yell really loudly into it, and people would jump and go, ah, oh, because they're on a bus, and suddenly he, like, he stands up with a giant boy-sized phone, and he's just, hello! I'm on a phone! Like that. And everyone would laugh. It's rubbish! It's rubbish! Uh, but my favourite sketch on Trigger Happy TV was when he knocked on someone's door and he was there with like a clipboard and a little uniform and in the garden behind him was someone in a tiger costume and the tiger costume had a cane and a top hat and I think a little tuxedo. What? And... When the guy answers the door, Dom Jolly's there just looking at the clipboard saying, uh, right, I'm here to drop off a posh tiger. 
<laughs> someone someone at this address uh, ordered a posh tiger. Uh, and then it was just this big back and forth argument over whether or not uh, someone at the house had indeed ordered a posh tiger, which the concept is just sublime. Uh, so yes, that there was that. There was one show which starred an actor I re a comedy actor I really liked, but I can't remember his name. Played a lot of sort of camp characters. Um, was in um, would be in the kind of shows you'd expect Kevin Eldon to be in. Which the only ninety eight percent of the listener base is not going to know what I mean by that. They're not going <laughs> to know Kevin Eldon, who is just a brilliant like supporting comic actor. Um, the only uh, English com- like comedic actor I can think of off the top of my head is uh, Harry Enfield. Harry Enfield, Harry Enfield and Chums, great sketch show at the of of its day. I rewatched some of it like a couple of years ago, and uh, it's good for the nostalgia. Loads of money, loads, loads of money. money. Shut your mouth and look at my wad. <laughs> Yeah, that was one of his early characters, a character literally just called Loads of Money, which was uh, a character he came up with in the 80s. Yes. Sort of making fun of uh, the sort of new money um, sort of... Thatcher era. Um, Thatcher era, like, yeah. Yucky. Guys that had just come into money and sort of thought that made them better than everyone else. But yes, uh, there's a lot of that. Sasha Baron Cohen, of course. Um, famous for Ali G and Bruno and and stuff. Just to mention things that the listeners might know, rather than me having started this show by talking about Dom Jolly and Kevin Eldon. As of this recording, if I'm not mistaken, you um, have not yet published your review of The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, and... Woe betide you <laughs> if you assign that game a number, and if like that number is something really, really low, like nine point five. And uh, I just wanted to, um, you know, as an American, I wanted to offer mm. you asylum. <laughs> um, should you publish the review and the number is not high enough for the liking of certain individuals. Certain individuals. There are a few places left for me to go. I look at it this way, right? I'm I'm a tranner. I, I don't know if I could say that. But, well, I can say that. But yeah, I don't, you can I don't say know. I can say that. I'm one of them. I'm one of them lot, right? Yeah. And I gave Zelda Breath of the Wild a, Wild a 7 out of 10. I think... I think there's only New Zealand, and they're wavering on the Zelda thing when it comes to granting asylum. Iceland. You could you could probably go to Iceland. Or Argentina. I mean, Argentina accepted the Nazis, so... Fair enough. I mean, I think even they would uh, consider a seven for Zelda borderline. I just realised you are also an American, so it wouldn't be asylum, would it? That's true. I am still currently American. And two, I think the thing that they wouldn't like about you in Argentina is that you're English. If I were Argentinian, or if I were a personification of the country of Argentina, I would not have forgiven the UK for what Margaret Thatcher did just yet. True, true, true. Like, I mean, I'm an American, and I've be- and I've barely written Thatcher off. Britain doesn't forgive Britain. For- Actually, that's not true. <laughs> The Tory government has been around long enough that Britain has officially forgiven Britain 
for Margaret Thatcher to the point where they're starting to make it so that schools can't even teach you about the shit the British Empire got up to. Because oh, that's boy. that's dissent. To tell the truth about Britain's history is dissent. Because it paints it in a bad light. It's borderline treasonous. Because there's no painting that well. No, there You can't isn't. look at like the East India Company and think... Oh, there's got to be a positive spin on that. Give me a minute. Give me a sec. It made certain people more wealthy. That's true. It was a source of prosperity, dot, 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 for some people. Yeah, for like 20 people. All of whom I imagine look like Colonel Mustard from Cluedo. Um, (laughs) All of them. Like, everyone who profited off of the East India Trading Company, I imagine is a man with an enormous bushy blonde mustache, a monocle, and one of those stupid bucket hats. And they begin every sentence with, What ho! Yeah, I like that. I'm sorry, I'm a little distracted. Because I don't remember this being the case. I may have screwed it up. But it is looking like, in order to transfer my save data from my old Switch which I'm um, going to duct tape to its dock before letting the kids use it. <laughs> because I've seen what they do to technology and screens especially. So I'm duct taping it into the dock and being like, here you go, here you go, kids, enjoy. Um, and we're getting them like third-party Joy-Cons that they can smash up as well. Delightful. Indeed. They're such cherubs. You know... I had respect for technology at that age, damn it. I knew better than to destroy my mother's Nintendo. Exactly. Or my mother's Sega Genesis that she bought for herself so that she, and not I, (laughs) but she, could play Boogerman. Ha! Boogerman! I remember Boogerman. Our um, mutual acquaintance, Jonathan Holmes from Destructoid.com and Boston's Favourite Son and Talking to Women About Video Games, uh, another podcast you feature on. Um, mm. He looks like Boogerman. And that's not me saying that. He said that once. He could do a really good Boogerman cosplay. Oh my god, why isn't Jonathan the Boogerman? Cosplay. Sorry, I got very excited because my brain stopped when you said do Boogerman. And then I just imagined uh, the titular... Star of the Boogerman franchise. Uh, just bombing a man who used to be on MTV's Road Rules, The Northern Trial. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, I think that to... happens. You know, because like, like... Oh, definitely. Because, you know, like, um, I mean, the first four levels of Boogerman are pretty standard. But then you get to level five. Yeah. And there's just a guy there. just a Just a bald man who pulls his pants down and... And... I think I've made a mistake. Oh, yeah? That's the problem. Sorry, I realise I cut you it's, off. It's I'm, right. It's right. I'm very, I'm very discombobulated. I must have made a mistake. It must have been when I was paranoid about the bit where it said, when I was logging my Nintendo account into the new Switch, it said, are you still going to use the old Switch? And then out of paranoia, I said yes, because I do not want to lose my Tears of the Kingdom save file. Because there is some shit in that game. I am currently glad I will never have to do again for the rest of my life. 
Oh. Um, be careful. You just said something that might be construed as negative about a Legend of Zelda game. Oh, don't worry. By by the time this podcast goes out, the review will have been published and the shit will have already hit the fan. It, it will be all over the place. It'll be on the walls. It'll be on our clothes. Little bit would have got into the dog food bowl. And before I could even change the water out of it, um, the dog will have already lapped it up because that's like a fucking gourmet for them. Yeah, dogs, dogs do eat poo. They love it. They love to eat poo. They love shit. And, you know, hey, you know what? So do some people. I'm not going to judge. It's... I mean, people, coprophilia, I believe, is the term for people that enjoy uh, that matter we so elegantly call fecal. The good old fecal treacle. Or uh, dejecta is, is a scientific term I heard Ooh. once. Oh, I like that. I'm not dejected to hear that term. That's a new one. <laughs> dejecta. Dejecta. Um, Sounds like a Transformer. Or a band from the 80s. Yeah. Or no, it, it sounds like an 80s cover band. Like, it sounds like a, like, like a cover band that would have been made in the 80s. It, it made it made in like the aughts or early 2010s mm. to cover 80s music. Like Eye of the Tiger and uh, Live to Win and whatever other songs there were in the 1980s. I wouldn't know. I was barely there. Yeah, I was there for most of it. Um, I'm one of the defective early-run millennials. I'm one of them ones that gets accused by boomers of being, like, young, work-shy avocado eaters. But I also vividly remember a time before the internet. It's an odd place to be in. Yeah. 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 I haven't been born in 1984. One of my earliest memories was the Great Hurricane of 88, I want to say. Or 89, it was 80-something in Britain. Big hurricane. It uh, made our door slam right shut and all the glass in it broke. Damn. Oh, it was a whole thing. It was a whole thing. But just to to quickly cycle back uh, to where I was with this switch, whatever I've done, I've made it so that I can't bulk transfer all of my save files. It's making me do them one at a time. Oh, fuck. And I have... Well, I've played a lot of games in my time. I also don't mind telling you that. I mean, I'm a little bit ashamed I don't, to be seen I, I, playing games. Yeah, I mean, video games are filth to be consumed by filth. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Fucking, it's for the pigs. I, it's for the rutting hogs in the muck, Elsa. No, you know what it's for? It's video games hmm. are for the pigmen from Darkest Dungeon. Oh, yeah, The Men of the Pigs from Darkest Dungeon. I know, I haven't played the sequel. Yeah, it just came out. I haven't played it either. Um, I bought a new laptop just to play it. Uh, and then that laptop decided to shit the bed. So it is currently in the shop. And we will see what happens with that. Whether I can even fucking play Darkest Dungeon 2. But uh, if not, there is always the original on the Vita. There is. Ah, the Vita. I've got one... If I craned my neck enough, and I shouldn't because I keep straining my neck in uh, wrestling training, uh, I did something. I've always had a bad thing with a pinched nerve in my neck. Um, But if I craned it enough, I could see my Vita. It's on a windowsill in an alcove. My favourite alcove, actually. If if anyone's asking, I've got a favourite alcove. Of course you do. You deserve nothing less. 
Well, yeah, if you don't have a favourite alcove, sort your life out. Get your priorities straight, Debbie. My favourite alcove is my bed, because it's a canopy uh, bed. Oh, a canopy bed. Mm-hmm. Fancy fancy. Delectable. Ooh. I've got a bed that bits of it go up and down. Ooh! Because it was one of the, it, it was something I promised myself as a sign that I am a success. One day I will have a nice bed that moves a bit. And it took me quite a while to pay off that bed. But I was determined to have a nice bed. But my back injury is such that I uh, am now in tremendous amounts of pain if I sleep in the bed for too many nights in a row. Um, so the nice bed I bought, I, uh, I'm i not always in. That said, I do a lot of... Uh, I do a lot of non-sleeping activities in it, so uh, I got my money's worth there. I have yet to do any sort of uh, non-sleeping activities in my canopy bed, which is the reason I bought it. Just just for the benefit of the listeners, I'm talking about intercourse. Yeah, of, uh, of a sexual kind, yeah? yes. Sexual. Oh, fabulous! Sexual liaisons. I, I have oh, yet fantastic. To... I have yet to to christen this this canopy bed, even though that's the reason I own it. Well, I mean, having been in um, crushingly lonely relationships, followed by a, a period of, of, of some being single, uh, it took quite some time for me to feel like a bed that was mine own uh, had actually gotten any, any play whatsoever. Thrilled to report that I've more than made up for it. Oh, I believe it. Oh, absolutely thrilled. I believe um, it. I, I choose to believe your bed is the site of dozens of, like, eyes wide shut style orgies, all of which <laughs> are confined to your bed. But they're all, everybody, at least ten people, they're all wearing masks. Oh, yeah. And it's all, it is confined to the bed. If someone falls out, they're not allowed back in. You just, everyone looks at them angry. Yeah. And just say, get, get out. Get out. You fall on the floor, get out. Yes, you can help yourself to a sausage roll in the fridge. But other than that, get the fuck out. What do you mean, what kind of sausage roll? (laughs) It's a a Sainsbury's, it's a Sainsbury's own brand. Oh, I don't care if you prefer Ginsters or you'll take a pucker at a a press. Get out. If they're not good enough for you, they're not good enough for you. No, you can't have the cocktail sausages. They're for brunch. Delightful. Yeah, the orgy takes place at like 7.15 in the morning. Hence the mention of brunch. It's like brunch after you've just got done, you know, just pounding it. Oh, it's one, it's one of Stephanie Sterling's famous Yorkshire munchin brunches. <laughs> and if, if someone wants to, you know, put themselves off their breakfast by eating a sausage roll at 7.15 in the morning... Because it's like, if you fall on... Oh, Elsa. If if you fall on the floor, then yes, you're out of the orgy, but you're still welcome to the brunch. Well, that's good. You're still welcome to the brunch, Elsa. That's good to know. Because, like, you know, if I ever attend, which uh, I do... I, I'm currently drawing up uh, an elaborate scheme to get into one of them. Oh, I love elaborate schemes. Yeah, like a, like a, like a heist, you know? Because, like, I've I've... I've watched a lot of Mission Impossible in my time, and I'm hoping to, like, rappel from the ceiling into your bed as, as like, you and, and eight other people are just going into each other. 
where was I going with that? Oh yeah, and and um, <laughs> you know, I'm a I'm a big girl. I'm I'm like I'm not quite as tall as you are or as um, shapely. Um, but I'm I'm pretty. I'm, I'm pretty big and it's nice to know that if I fall off of the bed, uh, which is likely that I'll still, you know, at the very least, you know, I'll, I'll get to have a sausage, maybe some black pudding, a hashed brown. Mm. Um, and, and I don't know, a cup of coffee. I've got a poor, um, mental association with black pudding because my evil stepdad was a Yorkshireman. Love the stuff. And he'd make us eat the things he liked. Oh. I didn't like liver and onions. I didn't want to eat liver and onions. I weren't allowed to move until I'd eaten the lot. I'm sorry. Like, what has to happen in a person's life for them to really, like, to be so adamant about liver and onions? Right? Like, that's the hill you make a small child die on in your stead. And the thing is, like, I'm a Southern American chud. I will eat almost anything as long as it's fried or you had to kill it. You know, I'll eat most things. I draw the line at organs. There's just something about them. Yeah. Just not a fan. That's not great. It's not a good look. Liver and onions is not a good look. I'm glad we agree on this. I'm glad that there's consensus. Well, I mean, that's it's always finding that middle ground. I have fucked this up for myself because I've moved over the Legend of Zelda save file and they delete, because it's Nintendo, the save file is deleted on the home console, which, by the way, I can't seem to track it down on the new Switch, so I'm having kittens about that. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous that I've lost everything. Oh, Jesus. I mean, that, that would mean that you'd have to start Tears of the Kingdom over again. Oh, I would rather burn. Elsa, I would rather burn. How... Really? Look, I like these games. I've always liked Breath of the Wild. I've always made that very clear, despite my many caveats, but it is because of those caveats that I do not want to subject myself to that level of spite again. The games have a lot going for them, but they're also spiteful. And there are certain parts that I am glad I never have to do again. I am partway through an incredibly laborious series of side quests strewn across the entire game world just so that i have an easier time climbing up a wall when it's been raining because that's the kind of game this is oh it's spiteful they kept that did they of course they did of course they did they've kept it all they've apologized for nothing are the weapons still made of fucking paper mache Oh, absolutely. And they're weaker. Um, They've really doubled down on this. Now, to their credit, they have, um, and I mentioned this in the review that will have been up, they have a weapon fusion system now, which is actually quite fun and goes some way, as I've said before, that it goes some way towards minimizing a problem that would have been better solved by just removing it. Oh, Christ. Now what you do is you get a weapon... And you stick it to things. And it's actually sort of fun, because any of the monster parts you get, instead of just using them to, like, in alchemy, like, cooking up things, you can attach them to weapons and make them, like, really quite powerful. You know, if you get, like, a horn off of a Lizalfos 
or something off of a big lizard monster, you can stick that to your weapon, which makes it deal a lot more damage and become more durable. It still breaks after a silly, like, piddlingly pitiful small number of hits, but it does increase them. And because it's Nintendo and they don't trust their own gameplay systems enough, they'd always rather force you to engage with a system than incentivize it. So a base weapon, most of them are weak as fuck. And they've doubled down on how shit Hyrule's weaponry is by even coming up with a narrative justification this time. (laughs) Because the gloom that has arrived just like red glowy shit that hurts you the gloom that has started to creep over Hyrule has decayed all the weapons and the first time a character told me this I lost my shit because here was this NPC telling me that oh all of our weapons are decayed now and all I can think is what the fuck were they in the last game then if they're decayed now Does that mean you made swords that break after five hits on purpose? Were they decrepit before? Apparently not. Apparently it's new that they're decrepit, even though they broke after five hits in the the last game. Which means they designed them that way. It's no wonder these fucker eggs can't defend themselves against bow coblins and little slimes. They can't make a sword worth a shit. Why don't they just punch them? Oh yeah, yeah. If you don't have weapons, like Link won't do anything. He'll just reach for his back where there should be a sword and just go, oh, oh, oh. You know, how many Super Smash Brothers games has Link been in? Quite a few. And I know for a fact that he has been in games where he has he has fought characters like Kirby and Mario and Solid Snake, and Mm -hmm. Ken from Street Fighter, and Ryu from Street Fighter, and Captain Falcon, and all of them will punch you in the fucking mouth, no bother. Yeah. So what's your fucking excuse, Link? Get your twink ass (laughs) in gear. Yeah, get it in gear, Link, you twat. I imagine by the time this podcast comes out, people are going to be sick of me shitting on on the <laughs> game, which I do like. Again, it's 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 both Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild are games that fight you. They make loving them an uphill battle because oh, they're God. spiteful. Because oh, you slip, like that. you slip when it rains, and horses kick you in the face. And your weapons break. And your horse won't appear if you're if it's out of hearing range when you whistle for it. So you're constantly leaving it behind. The bows break. I know I've made this point before. I made it on Podquisition. I will have made it in the review. I've made it on live streams. Bows are balanced by the fact that you need arrows for them. The fact that they break on top is double balance, which is imbalanced. That's that's just bad. That's Fuck just me. bad. And the thing that bothers me about like the 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 just massive praise 
the level of prestige, not only associated with Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, but Zelda as a whole, is it feels like bad game design choices are suddenly good if it happens in a Zelda game. Oh yeah, oh yeah. People will come up with some roundabout defense for it. And like many Nintendo games, because like I said, they can't... Nintendo prefers the stick to the honey in any uh, scenario. The way those games are defended sort of creeps me out because of the amount of times they use the word force. I like that weapons break because it forces me to experiment and use other weapons. That's not... Mm -mm -mm -mm. See, here's the thing. You know what's a game that that, um, encourages you to experiment and use other weapons? What's that? Bloodborne. The Mm. best video game. It is it is up there. The way that Bloodborne does this is when the game begins, you are given a choice of three weapons. And then as the game progresses, you find other weapons and the means to acquire other weapons. And the game provides you with upgrade materials. It provides you with a means to raise stats to experiment with weapons on the fly and each weapon except for the saw spear is unique yeah <laughs> i really like the weapons in that game that game has such good weapons mm-hmm. like it just has such good like that's one of my foibles with games like dark souls and elden ring is that some weapons are shit by design like dark souls gives me the option to have wolverine claws Mm-hmm. And you can dual wield in Dark Souls 1. There's no reason to, but you can do it. But it's just objectively worse. You can hamper your build if you want to. Oh, yeah. By dual wielding claws, but it doesn't accomplish anything. It is a bit of a shame. Because I like whips. Not like that. Get your minds out of the gutter. Oh, get your minds out of the gutter. Oh, oh. Sorry, I went a bit Frankie Howard then. Um, <laughs> you fucking bastard. Oh, you fucking bastard! Oh, I'm a married woman, you fucking bastard! Um, sorry, uh, for those yes. wondering what that was, I was uh, being a wench. Uh, Elsa-inspired, uh, uh, triggered the latent. Uh, in my past life, I was a wench, uh, a serving wench in a tavern. And, what um Oh, you want me, do you? Oh, do you want a little roll around in the dump corner? Oh, I'll do that for you if the bard watches. Um, yeah, like sorry. Much, by the way, it's very easy for me to regress, um, as as I've just demonstrated. Oh shit, the meeting's ended. Fucking hell. Uh, hello, Conrad. Conrad's there to sing this, listeners. Um, hello. Uh, well, Elsa knows the drill. Yeah, they've just sent me a message that says, "Damn it, lol." Okay. I'm just going to... Don't worry about this, faithful listener. Oh, my, my husband's looking at me. And smirking. And why does it put me to this page? The Zoom website is terrible. By the way, listener. No, not join a meeting, host a meeting with video off. Because no one needs to see my face. I'm just imagining his pen knowing that the remove silence... Button. What a silence button. What? 
Why is it telling me to join a meeting? I just launched meeting. Sorry, what? Well, the remove silence button won't get rid of this now. Well, no. It's not. What are we sign? I have signed in. Oh my God. Zoom. It's the worst. It's the worst. Host. Video off. Open Zoom. Start your next meeting in eight minutes. You could start a Discord. Fucking hell, they have changed this. Oh god, now I've got to tell Elsa they fucking changed this. On Discord, which you could also call them. What? You could just call That them. is true. Hang on. No, because we've tried Discord for podquisition and it fucked. I mean we could try it. I'll see if they want to just try Discord. Yeah, okay. Fucking hell. Alright, where do I do that? Voice call. Alright, alright, alright. Hello. So we have tried Discord before for podquisition and it didn't. It was laggy to the point where we really sort of had, had sort of trouble clashing, but we'll give it a go. Okay. Hopefully it'll work. Um, I did just do a lot of talking that will be kept in the podcast because I like to think it was very fucking entertaining um, and f- fee chipped in as well. Um, so I'll just do us a pickup. Uh, um, but uh, I sang a song actually while you sang a song while we I were, while a, you were gone. Yeah, I sang a song um about the brown <laughs> rising up. Oh, delightful! Delightful. In some positive news, uh, it does look like the Zelda save file is is intact. Uh, plus, of course, uh, the save data cloud means I probably don't have to sit in manually transferring everything. Um, so that's good. Uh, plus, I took all of my Tears of the Kingdom screenshots off of the old Switch already and kept on my computer for use with the review. Um, oh. I have I have a lot of them. And usually, I end up with just the right amount of good screenshots because I use between six and eight, depending on how long the review is. And usually, after taking like 20, I've got about that many that are usable. I've got so many genuinely good screenshots for this game. And I'm not going to be able to use them all. I was tempted to have a screenshot, like in every screenshot, the pop-up message that says my weapon is badly damaged. Because it (laughs) happens so frequently. That you'd actually get the pop-up message covering the screen less if it warns you every time your weapon was not badly damaged. Um, oh my God. You should, uh, you know what? I would do it if I were you. It's um, I've, I've done uh, like fun things like that before. The only thing staying my hand is I also have really good screenshots of some of the ridiculous outfits that, that they oh, can wear, which is, is one of the game's good. most positive points. You see, I, I like the weapon it. fusion system. I like the Underdark that it has now. There's an entire map underneath the map 
which is just shrouded in darkness and you slowly light it up. Um, and it's got a real sort of underdarky feel to it. And I really like it. Um, but the main reason to keep playing this game, very much like with Breath of the Wild, is the outfits. It takes <laughs> a long time to acquire them. But some of them are really nice. Like I, my favourite so far is the miner's outfit, which it has a mask that's a bit like an ant because miner. Um, and it's this lovely little dark number sort of all, all sort of black irony looking thing with big baggy trousers. But what is really good about it is it's covered in little light bulbs uh, because it's for exploring the depths. Uh, so it, it's, its effect is that it creates a, a, a passive glow on you um, so that you can see better in the dark. Um, I've also upgraded it so it, it, it now has a secondary feature, which is actually sort of useless and a little bit confusing. Uh, because it makes you think there are pickups where there aren't any. But it makes little gl- glowy spots behind you intermittently so that you can backtrack or you know where you've been. Which is sort of cool, but in a- in execution a little bit distracting. Um, but it's a really cute outfit because it's that right kind of colour glow that I like. Because I love glow-in-the-dark stuff. Hello, I'm autistic. I love glow-in-the-dark stuff, uh, like glow-in-the-dark boglins. And it's not just the fact they glow. There's a certain shade of white, or I guess you'd call it off-white since white doesn't have a shade, but a certain whiteness that glow-in-the-dark items have where they're white, but you can tell they're just a little bit not. And it's that kind of glow that the bulbs have. And they're like all over, they're like all hanging off and bouncing off of his vest and around the cuffs of the pants are two big round bulbs that glow on the mask because i said it's like an ant the little antennae sort of droop down over from the head and they've got little bulbs on the end Ooh, right Ooh, all round it's very good and that's that's the best bit of the game is the costumes like the one that's a big mushroomy one that gives Link uh, little mushroom earrings and blue lipstick. It's fucking brilliant. Sorry, do go on. I, I banged on a lot there. I'm glad that you did. But uh, my question is, is the Gerudo outfit from Breath of the Wild present in Tears of the Kingdom? Because that's my favorite thing about it, um, is the um... the Gerudo outfit that Link could wear and look very fetching, very feminine. Um, because I saw... A delightful image that someone apparently drew of um, Link wearing that outfit, and then Zelda and Urbosa were on either side, and they were uh, spit yeah. roasting him. Oh, now you have my attention. Yeah, yeah. I, I showed a friend. I, I wish I still had access to this picture because it's gorgeous. And I said, mm. "Look, it's a twink between girls." Oh, that's quite good. I like that. Yeah, Wordplay and a spit roast. I mean, what what more do you want? I'm going to have to start introducing that at my munch brunch. Link doesn't talk. Put that mouth to work. It's got to be used for summit. Cunnilingus, <laughs> isn't it? Cunnilingus. <laughs> <laughs> I love that noise. I don't know if if the way that noise cut cut a little 
will be in your recording, but from my point of hearing, that was marvellous. Um, lovely stuff. I I did an actual spit take. Brilliant. Cunnilingus. I love that. I mean, it's good, isn't it? I might call the episode that. Oh, I will call the episode that. But a twink between girls is pretty good too. A twink between girls is also very good. Very good. Uh, I mean, that's one of the finest things about the Trash Girl Diaries. Uh, an American McGee product <laughs> is... <laughs> I don't know why I even said that. Or why American I find it funny, McGee but I do. Product. Um, American McGee's Trash Girl Diaries. Uh, I think um, if, if it were American McGee tra- McGee's Trash Girl Diaries, wouldn't both of us be like deathly thin you would have like bags under your eyes i've got those Mm. i've got bags under my eyes and i'm deeply traumatized so i could be an american mcgee protagonist except yeah as you say i'm a i'm a little bit of a a chonker in comparison to the kind of protagonist he he favors yeah he's he's a fan of like the the you know what he likes is the disney design that mm. Disney later started using unironically, you know, huge, huge heads and tiny little bodies and wasp waists, like um, like Frozen did yeah. that, Tangled did yeah. that. It's basically his art style is what if Disney but depressed. Yeah, pretty much. Like proper clinically depressed as well. Yeah, but that is one of the best things about us is is we're spoiled for choice when it comes to uh, what evocative title. Uh, we could we could call it. Uh, yeah, we've. It, it's never been an easy choice to make, except for the first time. That is true. That the is first true. time, Hat of Paradise was pretty easy. Um, it was, yeah, mate, it wrote itself. There it is, still there. What was that? The, the oh, hat. the hat. Right. It's still on my Tonberry plush where it was last time. I, I'm I... very, I'm very used to when you say uh, one second. Uh, there it is. Uh, I'm, I'm usually. Uh, expecting you to have just been thinking about Angela White. Well, now I am. Thanks. Yeah, so am I. Yeah. God damn it, Steph. She apparently recently filmed a scene with Hitomi Tanaka, and oh. I'll be, I'll be enjoying that. Yeah. 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 Spreading a little bit of gloom. Yeah. A little yeah. bit of gloom. I, I say that we already used the gloom equals cum joke on a uh, recent recording of the Boston's Favourite Son podcast, which Ooh. Uh, will, I think that will have already come out before this, because we got Conrad um, pretty much doing all our podcast edits. Um, Thank you, so, Conrad. Then again, I, I think Fee may have wanted to do this one, but that was if I was doing a live stream. I don't know my own schedule. This is why I, this is why I have a dom. Um, I hate thinking for myself, mostly because it's hard. It's difficult to think for yourself and have your own like thoughts. Yeah, I only recently started doing that. I started um like dieting and exercising. Um, yeah, which has led to me like very strictly regimenting what I eat and when. Today, as of recording, it is Saturday which is my cheat day, so I'm allowed to go have a breakfast that's just a lake of sausage gravy on a plate. Oh, God, yes. Go for it. Um, mm. Which I have done, and it was 
fucking delicious. It was so tasty, I almost cried. <sighs> I wish I was kidding, but I'm not. Oh, no. I mean, what? it's a good cheat day if you find yourself weeping openly over a spread of sausage meat. <laughs> I love sausage. Quite poetic in a way. Oh, me too. Oh, oh, I love sausage meat. No. Um, right. I do think we have talked a lot about Zelda. We have. And I have done that on Jimquisitions, other podcasts, the review, live streams. It can sometimes, when a big game comes out, be difficult to remember that other games have happened, are happening, will happen again. Yeah. That 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 is a thing. The games will the games will keep coming with inevitability. A crushing, terrifying, or inspiring inevitability. There will always be new video games. There will always be. Long after we're gone. I was having a horrible egg sometimes I have existential thoughts. And I was thinking earlier while I was playing Tears of the Kingdom, which I just tried to segue out of, but I was playing it and I thought for an entire generation of people, this is something they're going to ask if their friends remember it. Do you remember Zelda Tears of the Kingdom? Because one day it will be retro. One day it's, it will be something that someone loved as a kid. Yes. And I have to keep thinking about that to distract me from the fact that I am someone some people loved as a kid. Like, that, my content is that old that the Jimquisition is something some people used to love as a kid. I really feel ancient at this point. Well, uh, here, I can, I can pick up the ball. I can I can pick up the ball for us because uh, yes, please do. Well, there is uh, one of the things that was announced, and no one cares because it's not Zelda, but some people do. One thing that was announced is they announced a new Mortal Kombat game. Oh, yes, there is a new Mortal Kombat game coming out in September. I probably won't buy it because they're already talking DLC like a day after I announced the fucking thing and I'm just like, oh, Jesus Christ. they are. It's Warner Brothers, isn't it? Fuck Warner Brothers. Jesus. They're awful. Having said that, the new game is called Mortal Kombat 1. What? Wait. It's called what? Mortal Kombat 1. 1. Yes. 1. Why? That's- yes. They should call it Mortal Kombat Y. Mortal Kombat 1. Well, I mean, I I can tell you. Oh, please do. I can tell you the lore. Okay. Oh, there's lore. Of course there's lore. It's Mortal Kombat. There's so much lore. Fucking hell. At the end of Mortal Kombat 11, which was released in 2019. Spoilers for Mortal Kombat 11. Ahoy. But at the end of Mortal Kombat 11, Liu Kang who you would know as the protagonist of the film and also a dickhead, became the god of fire and thunder and also time. And he decided to reset existence. So now he's going to build his own timeline. And so they're starting over again. I say, 
so it's it's a re it's a soft reboot. Yes. In which the plot is a hard reboot. Yes. But the but the thing is, like this fire and thunder and also time god Liu Kang is still is still around and he still remembers what used to be. So that's apparently right. what's going on there. I hope he's a real like fanboy purist about it as well. <laughs> no, Sub Zero wouldn't do that. Do it again. That's not that's not how Molina's mouth looked. Right. They changed that between games. Yeah. Katana Katana is is dressed wokely. She's wearing pants. That's woke. We're starting over. Do it again. <sighs> Fucking Christ. Not even I can bring myself to care at this point. I I actually sold my, my Mortal Kombat games today because I'm just trying to get away from anything competitive. I'm just yeah. tired of it. Well, there's too much There's too much conflict in the world already. We, we don't have time for combat of a mortal nature. We really, I mean, at least I don't. Um, no. As much as I like, you know, I, I, I miss fighting games, but this is me breaking up with them. Because I, I just can't deal with competition anymore. Yeah. I would rather just sit and eat sausage gravy that might mm. have some biscuits underneath it. <laughs> and that is your Maybe. right. Your inalienable right, especially as an American. Goddamn right as an American. Sausage meat appears in the Constitution so often. And it's a big part of the Constitution of the average American. The 69th Amendment. Oh, I thought that was Jonathan. The 69th Amendment just says Jonathan. It just says Jonathan. Mm. Uh, are there any other video games? What have we talked about on this one? We've talked about The Legend of the Zelda, The Tears of the Kingdom thereof. We've talked about The Mortal the Kombat the One, in which Mortal Kombat has clearly been hanging around the DC department. Yeah. Of, uh, of Warner Brothers too much with that with that amount of convoluted reboot bullshit. At the time of talking, I haven't played anything else really because it's all been Zelda. Um I did get the Advance Wars remaster remake. Ooh. Or whatever we want to call it, the redo. Um I played the tutorial level when it first came out. They never never carried on because I had other things I needed to review. Keep meaning to get back to it. Fear I never will. I have played, um, you know, I've made an effort to not mention a certain video game franchise that otherwise has been entirely too vocal on this podcast. What's funny is I was about to mention it because <laughs> um, it was the last game I played. Oh, yeah, the Pixel Remasters. You know the Pixel Remasters. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been going through them. I'm on, I played Final Fantasy four. Uh, for the nostalgia, still really enjoyed that. I played through Final Fantasy One and completed it for the first time. And that game is strange after yeah. so many of the ones of the Final Fantasies I'm familiar with. Uh, similarly, Final Fantasy Two. Oh boy, which is the one I'm part way through. Downright bizarre. That uh, is a weird one. Like I could, I mean, yeah. I love Final Fantasy Two. Well, okay, I like Final Fantasy Two, but. <laughs> It can be a slog a lot of the time. It can be a slog. There are design decisions it makes that confuse me. Yeah. Like, 
how many times do they give you a choice of doors to go in? And if you go into the wrong door, it's a big room with an encounter rating of 100%. Hmm. Just those big empty rooms. Yes. Just big, big empty square rooms that are only there for fun. Every time you take a fucking step. I always just called them fuck rooms because anytime I yeah. saw a big empty room that I was in, I just go, fuck. Yeah. But other than that, uh, I've been playing John Wick Hex. Oh, oh, Hex. Yes. Game developed by Mike Bithell, uh, who for the purposes of disclosure um i did voice act in um one of his other games volume oh well that's cool uh, yeah and I've, I've been waiting for the sequel um so that i can have another job <laughs> you, so you have voice acted for because he that guy actually uh john wick hex actually has ian mcshane and uh oh! and lance reddick rest in peace uh oh god i I really liked Lance Reddick. In, in, yeah. Well, they're both uh, in John Wick. Well, they're in John Wick. But they're, oh, yeah. they're in John Wick Hex. They offered their vocal talents to it. And John Wick Hex is a fascinating little game. You wouldn't expect a game like that to be what they do with a John Wick game. Or at least I would expect a John Wick game to just be non-stop, balls-to-the-wall action. Yeah. Well, I remember there being some people, like, unhappy when the game was announced because they heard John Wick game and they were, you know, they wanted a, an action shooter. And what they got was unique and very unexpected. And I remember there being a little bit of a backlash and then most people in the end just being like, Ash is pretty fucking good. Yeah, it is good. It's fun. I, I'm yeah. I'm fond of, because John Wick Hex is a, I, I guess like a tactical strategy game where yeah. you choose every single thing that John does down to like fractions of a second. And so like everything you do takes a very specific amount of time. It takes a certain amount of time to move a certain distance it takes a little while to aim your gun before you shoot it. It takes a while for you to perform a, a takedown, you know? So it's all about managing time in these tiny, tiny little increments as all of your enemies work with you. Yeah. And they will show up on the timeline at the top of the screen, along with how long it'll take for you to do something, how, how long it'll take any enemies you're engaged with to do something will be there as well. You will see that an enemy is about to shoot, and you'll think, well, I can't draw my gun and shoot this guy before he shoots me. Am I willing to take a bullet to ensure that this guy dies? Do I want to try to move to you know, reduce the risk of being hit? Can I crouch behind something and disrupt the line of sight? It gets you thinking about things on such a micro level that when you finally finish each area, it gives you the opportunity to play it back in real time. And then you realize that like, oh, the past seven areas that I finished took five minutes combined. Mm. I think it's interesting the way that that game plays with time. Narratively, it's not 
the most interesting thing in the world because it's just the story of how John Wick killed a bunch more people before the first movie. Well, I think that was one of the most fun things about the first John Wick film mm-hmm. was, you know, there are so many films that, especially if they've got franchises in mind, they give us the beginning. They give us, you know, the rise of, of the protagonist. And I just really, I'm a big fan of, of the story, like the narrative conceit of the name that makes you shit yourself. The one everyone's afraid of. Baba the, Yaga. The, well, the, the Baba Yaga, yeah, yeah, uh, as, as they call John Wick. Just the fact that this protagonist who, you know, the hero of a story in a, in a very sort of typical storytelling sense is has the odds against them and, and they're the underdog and all of that. It's a very popular story trope. But the fact that, like, even the top villain in the first film is shitting himself. Yes, and, like, the way he talks about him, the way he talks about him, like, to his son, he's like, well, John wasn't exactly the boogeyman. John was the man that you sent to kill the fucking boogeyman. <laughs> It's it's yeah, like it it's the way that most movies describe the villain. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, but we've already established that John Wick is our hero and we're rooting for him because we've already seen, you know, he loved his wife. He's pretty chill when left to his own devices. He loves his dog. He loves dogs in general. Yeah, like if you cross him, then there's trouble. I remember the, the the really good scene near the beginning when when John Wick is like, Get out of my swamp! Mm? Because he didn't want to be bothered. <laughs> but that donkey wouldn't leave him alone. <laughs> until he shot him. I feel like you've got that confused with a different film. I think you're thinking of Die oh, Hard. Shit. I'm thinking of Die Hard. It's a classic mistake. Yeah, I mean, Die Hard. Die Hard's the one about uh, Bruce Willis is an ogre. And he's trying to get Alan yeah. Rickman out of his swamp, and Alan Rickman's like, <laughs> "No, I'd like, I'd like to stay with you. I don't have any friends." And Bruce Willis just I goes, now. "You know, oh fuck off, doggy. <laughs> I'm, I'm an ogre. You shouldn't be my friend. Nobody wants to be my friend." No, no, I would very much like to be your friend now. Let's go save a princess. And then it turns out she doesn't really need to be saved. And that's um, no. Haley Joel Osment as the princess in that. That's Die Hard, right? Uh, I think yes. I because think. it is funny to agree with that assertion. <laughs> this is what I love about you, oh. Steph. You will hang lampshades on lampshades. And oh yeah, it's... I've got no subtlety. Yeah, and you know what? I know people. I know writers who use subtlety. <laughs> cowards to a man. They're all cowards. I uh, I used to look like Garth Marenghi. I don't know who that is. Oh, that's where that line comes from. Oh. Uh, one of my favorite comedy shows of all time, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. I've heard of this. Uh, which was a yeah, it's a spoof of the kind of sort of like Stephen King kind of thing. It's set in a hospital where, you know, strange phenomenon and, like, portals to hell and everything have opened. But it's this deliberately shittily 
filmed 80s um like spoof of an 80s medical drama slash supernatural tv show uh written by a, a fictional author called garth Marenghi, played by i think the actor's name is matthew holmes yes and um richard i um god damn it i always trip up on the name but the one that talks like this he's in it uh fantastic in it as well um, richard Iowade. Richard Ayoade, yes, that's it. I always fuck the pronunciation. Apparently he was in the IT crowd as well. He was in the IT crowd. That's sort of where a lot of people knew him from. Um, I first saw him in the Mighty Boosh, which I think predated that a bit. I like the Mighty Boosh. I've never watched the IT crowd. I did watch through all of the IT crowd once, and I... It wasn't that great. And I'm not just saying that because Graham Linehan wrote it, because I loved Father Ted and Black Books, but I didn't like the IT crowd so much. (laughs) You're a racist now, Father. Right? I hate that I can't go back and enjoy... I used to watch the Christmas episode of Father Ted every single Christmas. Aww. It was just one of those Christmas things I watched. I like to have... I'm not a big Christmas person, but I like to have my little traditions. Um, I like to watch the bottom Christmas special on Christmas Eve, which I actually neglected to do last Christmas Eve. So I probably put a curse on myself. Oh, jeez. I had uh, the lovely Echo, who is a friend and uh, regular on the uh, chat in in my stream chat. Uh, they were over Christmas along with my tag team partner uh, in wrestling, uh, Priscilla, Queen of the Ring. And we watched Hook and Labyrinth. Um, Labyrinth being one of my favourite films of all time. And and Hook used to be a bit of a Christmassy film for us because my brother got it on VHS one year. So I would like to have Hook as a, a new sort of Christmas thing that I do every year with folks. Aww. Um, I went on a real tan- a real sentimental tangent there. But the point is, is I can't watch Father Ted anymore because Graham Linehan, who, and I always point this out because I don't think he'd like to acknowledge it, Graham Linehan used to be a big fan of mine. That but now sort of is perfect. Right? Fucking beautiful. Oh, that's perfect. He used to be a big fan of mine. Obviously, you know, because he's a massive turf, hates me now. He has insulted me um, before, um, like had a go at my selfies, posted a selfie of mine and said something about watching too much porn. So I've extrapolated from that, that when he thinks of me, he thinks of pornography, which given the fact that he's he's a very clear chaser, uh, I think that tracks. He's actually, uh, back when I had Twitter, he got to do it with me briefly. Yeah? Um, yeah, I mean, and I I have never engaged anybody, any fucking turfs in good faith. I've just come at them with the most childish insults I can think of. Oh, absolutely. They're not worth anything else. So I just, I'm just like, well, you know, I'm not the one who eats poo. You eat poo. <laughs> because if you're a turf, you eat poo every single day for breakfast and lunch and dinner. You eat it with a grapefruit spoon. <laughs> but, like, I, I, I definitely sympathize with media that, you know, you used to really love having really unfortunate connotations now. Like, it's one of the reasons why I can no longer watch All Elite Wrestling. Um, right. Cause it, I mean, there are a couple of, of people in AEW who have some shit to answer for, 
And it has its shit heels. But the big one for me uh, is Darby Allen because I used to have the biggest crush on Darby Allen, and I, I met him multiple times. It, yeah. The thing is, he and Jake Hager were both very nice to me personally when I met them. Um, more right. so than I didn't meet any wrestler who was a dick to me, but but Jake Hager and Darby Allen, neither of whom are good people. No, no, Darby Allen abuser, Jake Hager, complete fucking Trump. Yeah, he's a, and and I think the Young Bucks are as well. There's a couple of fucking like proper Trumpos in uh, AEW. Yeah, I think uh, Chris Jericho as well. Um, oh yes, he's uh, I believe. I'll, I'll I'll couch that with the word allegedly. Allegedly, his wife was at the insurrection. Yes, was at the the Capitol Hill on the old uh, January sixth. Yep, and um, cheeky fuck. But the big yeah, the big heartbreak for me was definitely Darby Allen. I could yep. not like I cannot watch AEW anymore because every time I look at him, I just think you broke my heart Mm -hmm. you broke my heart you absolute bastard and as we've established already on the trash girl diaries it is canon to the trash verse that darby allen is actually the oogie boogie of wrestling that is true if you pull on his hair he just falls apart and goes my bugs my bugs and just comes apart Absolutely. And 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 so, I hate to agree with Jim Cornette about anything, but certain things shouldn't be in wrestling, and Oogie Boogie is one of them. Yeah, there's no room. There's no room for Oogie Boogie in my wrestling. Thank you. Fuck you. Bye. That is like I. You actually, you haven't done a lot of uh, impersonations on the Trash Girl Diaries, and but I've always been amazed by them <laughs> when I hear them on uh, places like talking to women about video games. <laughs> and despite knowing that you are a veritable maestro when it comes to, to voice work, mimicry, I'm still always shocked and delighted. <laughs> and thank you. And that Jim Cornette was perfect. That was. I, I listened to a lot of the experience um, at one point yeah. before he before he really started to piss me off and say like gross yeah. transphobic transphobic shit. Why do they always go there? They always go every there. single fucking time, and like without fire. the fact that he's like center left politically makes that all the more irritating. He hates Donald Trump and he thinks that makes him like okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's the worst kind of of lip. Pretty much. But having said that, Jim Cornette to me is just the the living embodiment of the worst person you know just made an excellent point. Every now and then he does hit out with something decent. Another wrestler I really liked at one point was Nia Jax. Um, mm. and now she's anti-vax. Yeah, and I'm not like most girls. I don't believe in vaccination. And so, uh, Jim, yeah, Jim Cornette actually like kind of ripped her a new one, uh, and it was perfect. It was fantastic. That said, as you say, ripped her a new one. 
Nia Jax was responsible for one of the best wrestling clips of all time. My ball! Where she land- <laughs> lands ass first on the ring apron <laughs> and just screams, my hole. It's perfect. Um, it's beautiful. It is delicious. It's delicious. Oh, God. And she showed up at the Royal Rumble this year. She did. Yeah, she did. And she just arrived and Rhea Ripley was just like, everybody, let's band together and get her to fuck off. <laughs> it was like she was no. She, she, they, everybody in the ring teamed up to to eliminate Nia Jax. Well, as someone who is a, a very big wrestler, very tall, very wide, obviously, I've been in that position to be the biggest person in the ring in a rumble style match. It happened uh, at Effie's Big Gay Brunch uh, a little while back, like a couple of weeks ago. Fucking Harley Hudson, my old nemesis, Ooh. Uh, who. By the way, I'm facing one-on-one in Blackpool in the main event of Pride of the Ring 2 on June 10th. Tickets still available at buytickets.at slash PCW. Crush her. Uh, yeah, she, she her. orchestrated orchestrated an assault on me, Rhea Ripley style, <laughs> um, which did it did lead to me getting the, uh, the biggest laugh of the match when I was screaming, stop hitting me. <laughs> and then did a, not quite a flare flop, but a beautiful felled tree style face bump out of the corner when they backed up like in mortal Kombat, like when you don't put in the fatality correctly Sim- similar yeah i'm very proud of what i call my tom and jerry bumping <laughs> uh, i've only done i've only done the back bump twice um the first time i had a match with um the evil tory zeo Knox, and i had he was going to hit me with a big croquet mallet, but I got it off him and I'd received permission to hit him. So I raised it above my head, like proper cartoon Tom and Jerry style. But he had a little tiny mallet and he hit me in the head with it. And then still with the hammer above my head, I just like fell backwards, completely rigid. <laughs> and it was a fucking great My bump. favorite bump of yours, um, actually, is during the somehow divisive even though it's objectively excellent hypnotism spot. Oh, the one that Scotty Too Hottie said was degrading. Yeah, and you know, that's fucking rich coming from the man whose finishing move was a standing fist drop after spending a minute and a half doing the fucking worm. Well, he doesn't do funny stuff. Oh yeah, no, he doesn't do... He's not a comedy wrestler. The worm's deadly serious. The worm and is deadly and too cool. There's nothing even remotely funny about too cool. I mean, you're not wrong. There. I like Rikishi, but anyway. Actually, I I did like too cool. It's it's. I'm not going to shit on the uh, the man's um, undulating breakdancing body of work. Uh, just because he was a complete dick to me and accused me of libel and has tried to ruin my wrestling career, uh, which he's literally tried to do. <sighs> he's had a go at me for like defamation, but he's been on Twitter like saying shame on any promotion that books this. Yeah, you know what? Why don't why don't we fucking ask James Remine how <laughs> de- how defamation and Stephanie Sterling? I already issued that challenge i did say that like if he truly if he truly believes it's liable then that is a matter for the law yeah it's just fucking um, yeah let let scotty too hotty yeah. sue you and see see where that see where that takes him but yeah now the right. um the scotty sue hotty 
Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, let's move on from my my grudges. Yes, the hypnotism. Grudges? Up. What are you doing trying to steal my goddamn thunder? <laughs> well, redneck Tonberry there for you. Big fan. <laughs> Uh, but yes, I uh, I'm really proud of that. If you've not seen the spot, I I I faced uh, a tag team uh, along with my partner Priscilla. We faced a tag team called uh, the Freak Show, which is Axel the Clown and Freaky Felicia, uh, two of my favourite people in wrestling. Um, we train at the same place. They're incredible. Um, and Freaky has a, a whole gimmick where she's sort of this creep. She moves like a like a real like a marionette. Her movements are amazing, uh, but she hypnotizes people. She's got a little uh, UV swirl on her nose, and the lights change, and uh, she hypnotizes you. And yeah, uh, she hypnotized me into um, basically hypnotized my hands to wrestle myself, and then I did some of the like Bruce Campbell style, like Evil Dead Two stuff. Um, bashed my own head on the turnbuckle, grabbed myself by the back of the head, and then uh, yanked myself into a flip bump, which I was really proud you of. You essentially snapmared yourself. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, I snapmared myself, yeah. Um, and that that's actually a bump I do every week in training, because uh, flip bumps are something people get taught. And for the longest time, because of my sort of size and my, my uh, physical ailments, sort of the chronic pain and everything, uh, I couldn't really do it. To my great disbelief, I could do some of the rolling. I could do the shoulder rolls and everything. But when it came to the flip bump, I basically did a sort of front roll and then just snapped it into a a back bump. But more and more, I I got more confident to the point where I can now unassisted. Not do a complete like 360 degree perfectly in line. Like I favour the side a bit. But at my size, it still looks super fucking impressive. It's the same with the wheel kick. Yeah, your wheel kick is exquisite. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's not always reliable. Sometimes it doesn't look great, but when it hits, it fucking When it hits, it it looks very similar to a move I've seen in Street Fighter. Uh, yeah. And I, I... Oh, yeah, let's mention video games before we've t- turned off so many people. <laughs> yeah. You know what? These shows are normally an hour. All of this, what we're doing on, on, on a podcast, that's just not ended because Zoom hasn't ended it for us. Yeah. Um, this is all gravy. People are like like choking down thick gravy right now. They're, they're sucking on our gravy. Mm. Mm. Can I suck your gravy? Uh, only if there's uh, sausage and biscuits underneath. In that case, I'll allow it. I'll find a way. I'll <laughs> find a way to incorporate a sausage and some biscuits into a sex act, goddammit. I believe it. I, in fact, if anyone is capable of that, it's you. And Jonathan Holmes. And Jonathan, of course. Mm. Um, yeah, I have complete faith in you in that endeavour. Thank you. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll roll it into the old uh, munchen brunch. <laughs> Um, maybe it's time we, we did end this. Yeah. Um, mostly because I had such a lovely time and I, as we record this, it's one of the busiest weekends I've had in a while. And I, I was determined to make time for this because of the amount of times I end up having to push it back. And I love recording them. So I was like, I will make time. But then I just got talking, just had so much fun. And still have to finish uh, drafting up 
the Zelda review, and I've got um, the video game I'm writing for that I can't talk about, that oh. I've having to do some formatting on that, and still got a Jimquisition script to write um, and do all that. Saving grace as I've got no wrestling this weekend. Uh, that will kick up again on June 8th, where I will be in York, uh, tagging with Priscilla, Queens of the Space Age, for True Grit Wrestling. I'll be in York for the first time. Delightful. Uh, then, yeah, then on June 9th, like I've got a, a run of four nights doing stuff. I don't know if it's been properly announced yet, um, the audience thing, but on June 8th, I'm in York in a tag team match, True Grit. On June 9th, I'm in a pub um, with my friend, uh, my ring announcer friend, Mark, uh, who, um, who even though I know and I love him, for some reason, I'm always terrified I'm going to get his surname wrong. Um, Mark Adams. I think it's because it's another first name. And then I'm like, it's Andrew, it's Anderson. It's a- Mark Adams. Uh, he's a-, a ring announcer and he's hosting an audience with Commander Sterling. Uh, on the 9th. Then on the 10th, I'm in Blackpool for that Pride of the Ring match. And then on the 11th, I'm in Manchester for Sovereign Pro Wrestling. So, big run, big busy, Soft busy. Pro? Sov Pro, yeah. That that promotion where, where Scotty didn't want to fight me because I'm degrading. I degrade the sport by giving myself a snapback. A really impressive self self snap yeah you know what though um koda ibushi did like a series of flip bumps for a blow-up doll so is is scotty too hottie gonna refuse to wrestle koda ibushi not that koda ibushi would but if given the opportunity yeah. would scotty too hottie turn down koda ibushi i think he wouldn't i don't think scotty too hottie would turn down kenny no. omega either I'll say this, one of the most respected wrestlers in the country, one of the best wrestlers in the country, trains me and trains the freak show. And he's one of the most, like, when you think of, like, a serious wrestler, Liam Slater, a.k.a. uh, Liam Lazarus, he used to be known as, when you think of, like, a wrestler, capital W, who does the job and does it damn fucking well, that's him. And he, PPW, Pursuit Pro Wrestling, which has its first show on September 23rd, its first actual public show as a, as a, as a school, as a promotion, has one of the most diverse cl- uh, like alumni, uh, if you want to call them. Well, I guess not alumni because a, a lot of us like stay there. But one of the most diverse collection of people, all trained under Liam. We've got, you know, Commander Sterling, the star-faced, you know, wacky supervillain we've got the freak show we've got we've got a phantom of the opera um we had a hippie velvet vaughn uh who has been on our like phoenix and i's promotion spectrum we've got some of the most diverse wrestlers ever and then we've got like guys that have gone on to do big stuff like leon slater we've got amazingly talented wrestlers like jay vertigo it's a massively diverse thing and that's what pisses me off about attitudes where wrestlers think they're they're above others for not wrestling and conforming to their idea of the valid, because there's room for all of it, and that's not just wrestling. There's room for 
all sorts of people and and their weirdnesses in the mansion branch in the mansion branch everyone's allowed in the bed but the moment you fall off you're done you're done Except for the you're out of here sausage in the fridge Get in the kitchen. Yeah, get in the kitchen and you'll be happy of those uh, Sainsbury's own brand sausage rolls. Speaking of rolls, I've got to do that. (laughs) I've got to tear myself away as much as I am loving this podcast. And, you know, I Um, we just hit the hour and a half mark. So I think that whoever edits this, they'll have a lot to work with and it's going to be a pretty... A pretty delightful show. Oh, absolutely. In closing. Absolutely. In closing. Thank God for you. Well, bless you, my child. Um, I I wish you a very lovely day. Um, if if you are indulging in more sausagey fun on your cheat day, I hope that goes down swimmingly. Uh, well, I guess you don't want a sausage to go down swimmingly. Unless you're quaffing it with tasty mead. Um, <laughs> I'll go down swimmingly. Oh my! Mm. Oh my! Um, is there is there anything you'd like to uh, shill, sell, flog before we go? Mm, I'm still just a uh, I'm still just a pretty low key internet user. Um, I I do have a project that I I guess I'll announce it here, um, which is I am attempting to chart the various connections that make up the broader Final Fantasy multiverse that was established in the Dissidia games. Oh, right. And I'm currently working on that, taking notes as I play through Stranger of Paradise again. So if if that ever becomes what in my mind it will become, you know, it could be... It could just be a big poster covered in red string. But that is something I'm working on, and that is something that I hope to maybe bring to the bring to the world and let that be my legacy. So it is my uh, yeah, it's my my Final Fantasy multiverse project that I'm working on. And to answer the question that a lot of people probably have, no, Final Fantasies seven and ten are not connected. That's an Easter egg. Wow. That's going to be awesome. I hope so. Yeah. And uh, as always, I'm just very happy to talk to you, Steph. Yeah. Well, of the same. These podcasts are absolutely delightful and uh, they've proven quite popular with with the listeners who find them very easy listening and and very entertaining. Uh, And I tend to agree. Um, I'm very proud of, of the Trash Girl Diaries. And uh, of our esteemed companionship and conversationship, I am going to depart now. I uh, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm gonna do the same. I, I got really aggressive and boisterous. Then. Yes, but you know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take my leave as well because I really I, I honestly just just keep talking until I need to do a shit, and I need to do a shit. <laughs> Okay, well, definitely going to uh, let you get on with that then. Bye. Bye-bye. Ta-ta. It's the eye of the Jonathan. It's the thrill of the shite. Rising up.
to the challenge of my penis. And I wish it was like that in the face of my ass. But I resemble that. Oh, Jonathan. Da, 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 